So again, on a per movie basis, I'm the highest grossing actor of all time. What it is, what it do, this is Rambling Your Rams podcast that brings you inside of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from Los Angeles, California. It's a hard knocks life for us. We've got a lot to talk about with the Rams. We have a fun guest to join us in this conversation today. He's the only friend I have that made it in Avengers Endgame. When he's not pretending to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, he's prepping for fantasy football. He's been doing it for over two decades and has lots to say about getting your grandma to join a fantasy football Ball League. In his latest manifesto, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Drafters, he admits people who leave mock drafts early are like the sixth worst people in the world. Um, thankfully, my buddy Matthew Barry is a top 10 pick in my eyes. Matthew, welcome to the pod. I appreciate that, Serena. Thank you so much. I'm surprised to hear, especially because I know how well you've taken to Los Angeles, that I'm your only friend was in Avengers Endgame. I'm just assuming, I guess you feel like you and you and Chris Pratt are just like more acquaintances than really truly friends the way you and I are. I right, that's exactly. What I've turned him down a couple times uh, right. for coffee. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. me, me and Mina Kimes, I mean, if Mina made it, then maybe I'd put her around your level, but right. just, you know. Fair. I understand. Well, by the way, I'm excited because I'm, I'm pretty sure Avengers Endgame is the only thing that I've been in that Mina hasn't been. I mean, like, you know, like, Mina Kimes is the hardest working person in show business. Like, I, I like, I, like I, I'm pretty sure, uh, I don't know if you saw this in the trademark office, but I'm pretty sure the company, we have filed for ESPM, where the M stands for Mina. Like, so we're working on that. So we're, we've, you know, we've sent off the logo and trying to change it and getting all the trademarks and everything like that. So I'm pretty sure that's going to happen fairly soon. So, does does uh, Lenny get Mina, 10%? Bro, we, does her tongue get 10%? It might be. I might, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly like Lenny, I, Lenny gets, I need Lenny agent. Lenny gets more screen time than I do. Right. What are we doing, Matt? We're not, we're, I'll tell you, we're doing, we're doing something wrong. You and I are not nearly as good as Lenny. That's the problem, Serena. That's what hit you. Nonetheless, you were on a movie cinematic screen. Yes. And before we went into quarantine. So you made it, made it. Oh yeah. And by the way, Serena, I mean, just, just want to be clear here. Just want all your listeners to understand what we're talking about here. Avengers Endgame is the highest grossing movie worldwide in cinema history. Now, I've only appeared, and by the way, I wasn't an extra in it. I have six lines. I, I, I did six lines, four made the movie. So I have four speaking lines in the movie. I'm in the credits. I'm a cast member. I'm a legit cast member of Avengers Endgame. It's the only movie I've ever appeared in. So again, on a per movie basis, I'm the highest grossing actor of all time. I mean, whatever, Tom Cruise, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Downey Jr., all brilliant, all amazing, but on a per movie basis, I am the highest grossing actor of all time because all those guys, as amazing as they are, they have a couple of clunkers in there. That's I'm amazing. Just, right? you, you think about any actor, pick any actor. Who's the most popular actor um, out there? Who's the biggest movie star? Who's had the most hits? Right. I, think Samuel L. Jackson is probably uh, the actor that has the hot, the most box office gross total. That's the craziest He's, thing you've ever told me, Matthew. The Brock but, Osweiler deal of Hollywood. 
Well, just think about how many movies Samuel L. Jackson. Right. Gets credit for almost all the Avengers movies, you know, because he's in it for for so much. Um, uh, he's been in like I want to wasn't he in one of the Jurassic movies too? Like he's Samuel L. Jackson has just been in like everything. Everything, snakes on a plane, like all of it from uh, that yeah. to Avengers. Snakes on an M and F and P. I'm hang on, I'm Samuel Jackson's IMDb page because it's crazy. Um, we can talk Rams here for a second, but anyway, I just I just I think it's important. For everyone to understand that, like, I'm a, I'm a pretty good trivia question. Like, who's the highest grossing actor of all time on a per movie basis? We gotta get and, that on uh, Jeopardy at some point. Yeah, it's me. So it's me. <laughs> forget how many unma- amazing movies Samuel L. Jackson has been in. Like, you know, you think about you know, uh, uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. You know? Yep. Oh, uh, he was he was he was in Pulp Pulp Fiction. He was in um, uh, oh. He was in The Incredibles too. He's he's uh he's the voice of Frozone. Frozone. Incredible, Incredibles too. He was in Kong Skull Island. Of course. Uh, he was in uh let's I'm just going through so like he was in The Hateful Eight. Uh, I mean like so, he was in Kingsman, The Secret Service. So I mean I, again and plus all the the Captain Americas and uh you know all the Avengers movies and uh, Captain Marvel and uh, you know he's been in like. So many movies, it's unbelievable. He's and in Matthew all the- and in one fell him. swoop, you just you just took it shot right to the top. <laughs> oh, I completely forgot. He's a, he's Mace Windu in all the the early Star Wars movies. Oh my! For complete, I'm telling you, you forget about these kind of things. So he's in he's in the first three Star Wars movies, which all made like you know billions of dollars. You know, here uh, you are. One, three episodes, one, two, and three. Anyway, shout out to Samuel L. Jackson, my peer. Uh, well, this is quite the honor then, Matthew, to oh, my God. the podcast. We'll try and get him on the next pod for a rebuttal. Right. We can shout you out as well. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk some football now since we cover right. everything else. Last Easy night, segue right there. Right, in both kills. I mean, I'm just, I mean, like, anyway. I yeah. hope that as this podcast continues, that you just keep throwing out Samuel Jackson movies. Like, just you don't even have to answer anything. If we're talking about a running back, just throw out another movie. That's fine. Got it. It's allowed. Yeah. Um, last night I read your manifesto. I I drank a glass of rosé. Cheers to Sean McFay for making that a thing recently. Uh, you've mentioned a lot of things, seven to be exact, um, but in a very detailed piece. In ha- uh, in habit number four, you bring up the obvious. This fantasy football season will be unlike any other. And I will pull a direct quote from uh, what you wrote here. With so much unknown, unknowable, let's start by eliminating the unknown things we can get rid of. For me, that means when evaluating players, I'm going to focus on players who are in as similar a situation as possible to the one they were in last season. That makes a lot of sense. Now, here's this situation. The Rams have a new OC. They have a new DC. They have a new special teams coordinator. So for Rams fans that want to draft Rams players, I know that is a thing. <laughs> Where do you start with consistency? So, so, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's fantasy football. So other than drafting the Rams defense and special teams in ESPN standard leagues, got to get a shout-out to ESPN.com. Of course, I'm a company man. Done or not. Done or not. Uh, free to play on ESPN.com or sign up for the ESPN Fantasy app. Got to do that. So uh, 100% free. What I would say is, is that while, yes, 
so I'm not really worried about special teams or, or, or the defense there. Yes, the Rams have a new offensive coordinator. But also, doesn't really matter. All due respect um, to KOC, who, by the way, I'm a fan of. You know, he, he used to be at my, with my Washington team. I think he's a, he's a very smart coach. And obviously, Sean knows him from their days together in Washington. But this is Sean McVay's offense. I don't think there's any mistaking that. Kevin's coming to run what McVay wants. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, gonna, they're executing the Sean McVay offense. So while, yes, there is technically somebody, you know, if you go to Rams.com and look up offensive coordinator, there's a different picture there than it was last year. But it's Sean McVay's offense. So first off, let's just be clear. So I don't think anything has really changed. Right. And then the second thing I would say in terms of so I'm bullish on the Rams, I think, because uh, the issues that that team had on offense, I believe, will be addressed this season. And ultimately, because for a variety of reasons, a lot of the players of the Rams are really depressed when it comes to where they're being drafted on ESPN. I'm currently in the middle of writing, Serena, my love hate column, my preseason. The, which is a big column and a lot of Rams actually make the list. And it's not because I'm some sort of Rams Homer, although I'm a big Sean McVay fan. It is because I think they're all values. I, I think, I think all the players are really values. Yeah. I, one player is being overdrafted on the Rams. They're all going way later than they should. Fantasy managers often have very short, unfortunate memories. And so they, or they're not really paying attention and I think part of the problem as well is that we don't have on the Rams, there aren't any um, flashy players, right? We don't have, yeah, I mean, like Robert Woods is as snoozy as it gets when it comes to, you know, he doesn't have any off the field drama. His name is like, you know, it's not Chad Ochocinco or something yeah. weird. And it's unusual Robert last Woods. year, he only scored two touchdowns. Right. And yet, by the way, Robert Woods, Robert Woods, so Robert Woods is one of the, my, my biggest guys. Over the last two seasons, Robert Woods, who's currently being drafted uh, like as wide receiver 18 or something like that, between okay. 18 and 20 on ESPN, over the last two seasons, Robert Woods is the 13th best wide receiver in fantasy football on a points-per-game basis, right? He's the only player over the last two-year stretch with 150 catches and a sub-1% drop rate. He had two, he had two drops on his 268 targets Insane. over the last few years. And you think about what Jared Goff does. Jared Goff is like a rhythm quarterback, right? And so Robert Woods is a really precise route runner. And so, like, he's a perfect fit. And we just think about the fact that here's a guy that was getting over nine targets a game last year, over 75 yards a game, both top 10 among wide receivers in the NFL. You mentioned the touchdowns, only two. So he got unlucky with the touchdowns. He should be around five or six. He's never a guy that they go to when they get in close. That's more Cooper Cup in the red zone, and I think the tight ends will be more involved this year. But – but the fact is, is that with Brandon Cooks now in Houston, all of a sudden there's, you know, there's over 100 targets or about 100 targets that are now available. Um, and I don't think they're all going to go to Tyler Higbee or Gerald Everett. And all due respect to Josh Reynolds, um, what, like Robert Woods is going to be the number one pass catching option on an offense that's going to be one of the league leaders in passes thrown. And he gets no respect whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, Robert Woods is 90 receptions, 1,100 yards, and a handful of touchdowns in the bank. And you can get that much later than you should. Again, I have him as wide receiver 12 this year. He's okay. going as wide receiver 18-22. So Robert Woods is on my love list. I've been, I've been banging the drum, banging the drum 
for uh, I wish I had a drum here to actually bang. But I, I'm oh, banging the Samuel drum Jackson for, <laughs> for Robert Woods. Yeah, it's it's crazy. We're always like so surprised. I mean, not that we're surprised that Cooper Cup made that NFL top 100 where players vote, but I was like, man, Woody just keeps missing that. Like every for fantasy. Well, and I think or, I think when you're in a a, a group that that spreads the ball around so well, like the Rams have done year after year with Sean McVay versus uh, being in a, being the only uh, guy who's, who's the getting all the targets in an offense helps to like, just keep him under the radar and, and people just skim right over him when they consider some of the top wideouts. Yeah, but I mean, but, but Matt, to your point, like, listen, but here's a guy that again, he was top 10, the NFL in targets per game last year. Like, it's not like he wasn't getting a lot of love. He was, the problem is, is just like maybe because it's a West Coast team, and again, like he's not a he's not a big superstar in terms of the name. Like I think more people know Cooper Cup again because it's sort of a unique name. And yeah. I was, but I call him my little Cooper Cup. And uh, but so Robert Woods, who sounds like he could be your accountant, you know, like right, you know, like what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? I, well, I got a conference call at three o'clock, and then uh, you know Robert Woods is coming over. We're going to do my taxes at four. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it just, like, he doesn't sound like an NFL player. For whatever reason, like, not Odell Beckham Jr., Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, one of these kind of unique names that stands out. Like, it's a, you know, it's a down-the-middle name. But the guy is a fantastic NFL player and insanely underrated and underappreciated. Maybe not by the listeners to this podcast, but he is somebody that fantasy managers should be more aware of. And I don't understand the disrespect. And so uh, he's on my love list this year. Because I think he's an insane value. Uh, he's a fantastic wide receiver who's only going to get better with more target share this year. Again, with Brandon Cooks moving on to Houston. You, know, you also wrote in your manifesto when if you're playing a PPR league, right? Whenever you're drafting running backs, um, try to get one who catches passes. So Sean McVay loves a running back with good hands. That's why they drafted uh, Daryl Henderson last uh, year during the draft. Now he's heading into year two. Do you see this? as like a guide to like peak on your fantasy football team? So, you know, the Rams running back situation is one of the bigger questions in fantasy football, because whoever the lead running back is obviously uh, will have tremendous value. Obviously Todd Gurley was a fantasy superstar for many, many years. And even last year when the offensive line was just decimated and Todd Gurley didn't, you know, didn't look like Todd Gurley, let's be clear. Todd Gurley still had 12 touchdowns, I believe, off the top of my head. You know, I mean, still still had double-digit rushing touchdowns. They like to run when they get in close. And McVay has always been very, very good about, yes, to your point, not only using his running game and, and, and being clever with his run scheme, but uh, getting the ball into his running back's hands on short passes and yeah. getting them in. He was a red hit. zone phenom. Like, give, yes. oh, five yards, boom, give it to TG. All right. Right. So the question becomes is who's going to get the love here, right? And yeah. they've community. This is, this is another thing that's sort of insane to me. The fantasy community is all in on Cam Akers. So, and they've completely forgotten about Daryl Henderson. Right. Henderson um, is going way late. I should, let me pull this up. I'm, I'm going to look, I'm going to look this up. I want to figure out where he's going. I should have, uh, I should have, I should have wrapped better. Sorry. I was I too like busy. real time. No, you, we, we uh, looked up Samuel uh, Jackson movies. We've done a lot. Yeah, too busy looking up uh, Samuel Jackson. Uh, <laughs> Clear. I want to see his, his search history now. <laughs> no, like that's my nightmare, honestly, Serena. My nightmare is somebody standing there reading my search history aloud, stand there and, and uh, talk to them. 
just, you know, no one, uh, trust me, no one wants to see my search history on the internet. Uh, <laughs> so Cam Akers, Cam Akers is going as running back 30 in the ninth round. Daryl Henderson is going as running back 37th in the 12th round. So Daryl Henderson, think about this. Daryl Henderson, who last year was going much higher. Daryl Henderson last year was going much higher than he is this year, despite the fact that last year he was a rookie playing behind Todd Gurley. And this year, Daryl Henderson has a much clearer path to significant playing time. And I think people got burned by Daryl Henderson because Gurley was healthier than they expected and got more of a workload, and Henderson didn't do very much. But I have a theory, and I want to run it by you, Serena, and you, Matt. You guys, you know, are around the Rams every single day. You study that team very closely. I have a weird theory, and I have nothing to base this on other than sort of last year. Okay. But I want – here's my weird theory. My weird theory is, is that I don't think Sean McVay trusts rookie running backs. That I, think, that I think Sean McVay, for whatever reason, you know, there are some coaches that lean more towards veterans, and whether it's because his scheme is more complicated or, you know, he's a young guy himself, I don't know. Like, again, this is just a weird theory that I have no basis in fact for. But I'm throwing it out there. Because Daryl Henderson, like, again, you didn't see him very much last year. But the few times you did, like, you were like, oh, 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 that's interesting. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, I see why Sean McVay said after the draft that they said that him and Les Snead said we had him as the most talented running back coming out of college last year. That was the quote from those guys. And so you saw some scoot, you saw some burst, like you saw, oh, oh, that's yeah. interesting, right? And so, and, and then, but he just never got on the field very much. Like when Todd Gurley needed a spell, it was mostly Malcolm Brown. So, so I have this weird theory that maybe, maybe whatever Sean just is, you know, a guy that, likes to play his veterans more and 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 so if that's true at all daryl henderson is an insanely valuable guy who's going way way late who could easily be the lead running back for the la rams we saw on i, I didn't get a chance to watch hard knocks um the first episode i have it on my dvr but i did see a number of people talk about on twitter that henderson was shown running with the ones which is not a surprise mm -hmm. and to your point, arena about the manifesto like again like Who's been in the building? Who understands Sean's offense? Daryl and Malcolm, not Cam. All due respect to Cam Akers, he's a rookie. Yeah, and Sean even said that too. He kind of agrees with your manifesto. He said, you know, this, this year when we're trying to figure out who's starting, you know, when I think of an undrafted rookie, how does that guy get your attention? And Sean McVay's like, honestly, the guys that know, the, that are comfortable with what we were already running last year are basically going to get the nod, which to your point, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson. And one thing I might add to that is uh, I think there's – maybe this is completely out of performance-based argument, but um, I think pass pro is probably also a big factor in this. And, you know, like Todd was pretty good at, at protecting the quarterback, and with an already banged-up O-line last year, you probably don't want to be sticking a rookie who hasn't faced, you know – edge rushers at that speed or, or interior linemen coming in at that fast to try and protect Goff as much as possible. So maybe this year with a more stable O-line, again, you might see Henderson get more chances at, uh, you know, actually showing off what he can do. And I've also heard that Cam Akers only allowed like 15 hurries out of 200 and something attempts or rushes or something last year. Uh, so he's apparently pretty decent with pass pro already, but still may just be a, a trust thing with Sean. I'm not sure exactly what, if there's anything there. It's hard to start a rookie if you have Todd Gurley too, right? I don't know. <laughs> well, sure. Sure, sure. But, the, but so the question becomes is, 
do you buy anything to my theory that that there may be something about Sean and rookie trust? He's he's definitely someone. I mean, look, he has uh, Andrew Whitworth, and he trusts him way more than anybody else. And that's what? as far as away from a rookie as possible. I think, um, and, and Matt, you can speak to this too. I I do see with Sean, it's all about how consistent you are. And unfortunately, a rookie cannot show that because consistency takes time. Would you say the same, Matt? Yeah, I mean, me personally, if I'm a head coach, which clearly I'm not, but like I would take the, the familiarity with the scheme and, and who's been here and who's been putting in the work for me, who I know what they're capable of and I know what their weaknesses are too. So I'm leaning that way over a rookie every time if it's me. The outlier is Cooper Cup, though, right? 2016, was was that his rookie year? I mean, psh, 17. Um, oh, to, to 17. what, 2017? Um, I mean, he just splashed, and that was the end of it. So I don't know. I also have heard so I guess great things about point, Van we'll, Jefferson. Go ahead. We'll see. That's what I was going to say is Van Jefferson is probably going to be a good comp for that uh, to see what kind of playing time he gets in the mix with, you know, Bobby Trees, Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds, who's proven himself, too. Yeah, but here's – real quickly, though. I mean, I think the 2017 season was different for the Rams, right? So, I mean, wasn't 2017 also McVay's first year? Yeah. Right. So, he's coming in. McVay doesn't know any of these guys, right? And so and – Everyone's a rookie. <laughs> everyone's a rookie. And, to be, you know, all due respect, like, the cupboard was a little bare. Like, I remember, I remember there was some talk that when McVay took the job – and I was very, I'm a Washington fan, so I was very upset to lose, uh, lose McVay. And I, I said this on social media at the time, like, uh, you know, um, but uh, when McVay took the Rams job, there was a lot of talk of like, wow, can't believe he's going there. You know, there's just not a lot there. And then all of a sudden they get, they get Robert Woods, right? And they get, uh, you know, and they draft Cooper Cup and um, I, Cooks came the, the year after, right? I think I'm just. Yeah, we, got, we actually traded for both. Uh, or resigned Robert Woods and traded for Sammy Watkins that year, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Sammy Watkins. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Sammy Watkins. So, yeah, there was all of a sudden these moves are like, oh, okay. So, Sean probably knew that, you know, they were going to make these moves. But my point is, is like, you know, there was there was a kind of a dearth of talent at the time that Sean took the job. And so, and, and it was his first year too. And, you know, and, and one of the things that Sean was brought in to do was, quote, unquote, and I'm using air quotes for people that can't see what we're doing, but I'm using to fix Jared Goff. Right. And so um, so there may be something to the effect of what Sean wanted was just like, you know what, I need a reliable slot receiver. I need some easy throws to Jared. I need to get his confidence up. And you saw in the preseason that year, back when we had preseason, we saw in the preseason that year that there was clearly a connection between Goff and Cup. Um, that, you know, they were looking and whether so who knows if that was by design or just suddenly Cup sort of played his way into a bigger role. I do think it's somewhat different. I think Van Jefferson's a nice player and whether he beats out Josh Reynolds for that third wide receiver role, my personal take fantasy wise, which is why I'm here on the podcast. My personal take is that uh, the Rams offense is going to be, it's going to be tough for the Rams offense to sustain three fantasy relevant wide receivers mm -hmm. because after the emergence of Tyler Higby last year and Honestly, and Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett had a nice little run there, and then Higby got and then And then it was, you know, the Higby show towards the end of the season. But so if you think of the passing offense as basically three pass catchers, so, you know, Robert Woods, my little Cooper Cup, and then the tight end, 
hard to see Van Jefferson, Josh Reynolds, whoever wins that role, having yeah. significant value to the extent that you would feel comfortable starting them in a season-long league. You know, again, we'll see what injuries and like Jefferson is a dynasty pick, but um, for me, that's where I would be focusing. That's an interesting theory. I'm going to like, think about that and I'll be like, oh, rookie, Sean. Um, yeah. I have another actual theory for you in what makes me happy. So I know you didn't watch Hard Knocks yet. Um, however, yeah. Matt's going to pull up a clip because during that show, Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network, also a Syracuse grad thing, yep. um, <laughs> he brought up a great Easter egg for us to look out for during Hard Knocks. He thinks there could be an outcast, like the group outcast. Um, he thinks there could be an outcast theme going on this season. Um, Matt, why don't you play this for us? So Outcast, yes, fresh and clean. It was fantastic, number one. Number two, uh, um, you see Tyrod's hair. He looked like Andre 3000. There's another Outcast reference. They have the best hair in the NFL in the quarterback room with Justin Herbert as well. And then it was either Telesco or Anthony Lynn. No, it was Anthony Lynn when describing his COVID diagnosis. He said he didn't want to feel like an outcast and my friend texted me there is a a an outcast thread being woven throughout the show and that is the easter egg of tonight's episode so i had brought up to andrew siciliano um during we have in hard knocks the after show that we do live after hard knocks every week and so for the first episode i was just excited that that outcast had so fresh and so clean i was like man that's such a great like I'm gonna I update my COVID playlist because this is a perfect song that we can just like. Who knew Outcast was gonna be this relevant still, right? And then Siciliano dropped the bomb on the Easter egg. Just want to see your. Do you kind of think? I mean, this is something we should be looking for moving forward on Hard Knocks. Well, listen. If somebody scores a touchdown in practice and then goes, "Hey ya," then sure. <laughs> I think then we know the 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 gig is up. The jig is up. Uh, yeah, certainly something something to watch out for. I, you know, as a fantasy analyst, I try to uncover every single, you know, kind of little nugget of information that I can and really study and parse it. Uh, this is not a line of thinking that I had been uh, pursuing. So obviously you need to maybe dig in a little bit higher. It's going to be new for all of us, right? Yeah. Um, new. News around the NFL. So the Saints announced that they're not going to have any fans in the Superdome for that first game of the season. The craziest part for me is it's a big game. It's the Saints versus the Bucks. It's completely understandable, right? With all of the safety precautions, that is first and foremost. But wow, Matthew, like this is going to be insane to think that no one in like human form will be able to experience Brady versus Breeze in person. What are your thoughts? I mean, I just think of like Chiefs, uh, Rams game, right? The highest scoring Monday night football game. Imagine no one's there. And it's also the Superdome, which obviously plays a huge help to the home field advantage, which is uh, Drew Brees. But I just can't, like, it's like when people oh. go to fights, they go because it's like history. And they're like, oh. It's, Serena, it's all weird. I mean, we're, we're in a weird, um, we're in a weird time. Everything's weird. Yeah. Everything's, like, everything's weird. Like, you know, like, you know, like, I mean, like, I, I, I have to put on a mask just to walk into, you know, walk into the office, right? Yeah. I mean, I took them alone in my office, but like, I mean, like, it's all weird. Every single thing is, every single thing is, is, is weird, um, uh, you know, and so, yeah, football without fans is weird. The, the Big Ten's not playing this year. It's weird. Like, I mean, like, there's a zillion, like, 
from big things to small things to like my my eight-year-old daughter went to a drive-by birthday party yesterday for her classmate like breaks my heart you know what i mean and like it's all weird it's matt all weird. actually it's all awful and it's it's horrible and it's like you know and what are you gonna do and so you know i'm hopeful that fantasy football uh the, the nfl and by extension fantasy football can at least bring some normalcy it's gonna be different obviously you're worried about you know with all the different things you can't control in the nfl in terms of injuries and playing time and knowing which coaches are telling the truth and which ones are just sort of doing coach speak and all the different things you're trying to parse uh, about a game that's played with a leather oblong shaped ball that bounces weird like you're also gonna have to deal with oh did, did this guy test positive for covid you know what i mean like or or is he on the covid list because somebody in his family got it or right. they get like there's just it's all you know it's all unknown and it's all um you know crazy and awful and i i just I hope that fantasy football can bring at least some sense of normalcy to what is obviously a very unnormal time. I'm with you. Are you guys planning on, uh, like, so we've been talking about this with my league too, is like, are we adding more bench slots? Are we adding more IR? Like, how do we do this to kind of cope with the uncertainty of COVID and what's going to come? So, yeah, I mean, I, so I addressed that in my draft day manifesto. Thanks for reading, Matt. Appreciate you doing the research for the show. I was out all day yesterday. It's my bad. Dude, Serena did her homework. Serena did her homework is all I'm saying. Thank you, education, bro. I mean, what We're just going to edit this part out. I'll, I'll have my guy edit this part out. Matt. Anyway, so since you probably skimmed that part, we'll pretend you skimmed that part. But I, yeah, unfortunately, yes. When you were setting up your league, there's a couple of things you need to do, right? Number one is, um, uh, yes, I would suggest more bench spots. I would, suggest, I would suggest more bench spots or dealing with that. I would also suggest when you're drafting that you take that into account. I want more running backs. I think quarterback and wide receiver are the deepest positions in fantasy this year. So I'm okay. I, I would rather load up on running backs and have, you know, one or two more tight ends than I would normally draft because I think it's going to be easier to find a quarterback replacement or a wide receiver replacement on the waiver wire. So when you're just thinking about roster construction and depth. Then the other thing is, is that I think you need to decide as a league um, a fantasy league, I mean, when does the season become official? By that, I mean, because, right, I mean, normally fantasy football, you play through week 16 or 17, and then and you have playoffs and the whole thing. But what happens if the season gets cut short in week eight, week 10? Are, how do you declare a champion? My personal suggestion is, number one, is pick a week at which you consider the season official. I'm suggesting week 10, but make it week four, make it whatever. And whoever, when, if, if, if for some reason the season gets shut down, then whoever's in first place by most total points, say week eight, that's your champion. But you could also say like, hey, we don't think the season's official until you're 10 weeks in or eight weeks or whatever, pick a number. So that if, if the season gets called before then, then you, whether you refund all the money to everyone or you put it in the pot for next year or even better, donate it to a charity, you know, something like Feeding America or something like that that's trying to help with COVID related issues. Um, but I think you need to have a, a COVID plan in place for running your league. Yeah. The other thing is, and this is a little bit morbid to think about, um, but, you know, just to be serious for one second here is, is that like you also, whoever's the commissioner of your league, you need to make sure that somebody else has access to the league. Yeah. Because God forbid you or somebody else in your family contracts this. The last thing you want to be dealing with is stupid fantasy football, right? Yes. So, but so that's something that, you know, you just 
have a contingency plan in place. Like it's, again, it's awful to think about. It's awful to, you know, to it's suggest. The reality. My is the reality and my job is to think about fantasy football and fantasy football in a world impacted by COVID-19. So that's what I'm doing. So yes, to, so I do think your league needs to have a, a conversation or an agreement before the draft about what happens, you know, think about all the different kind of contingency plans uh, as it relates to your league, given the world we live in. That's why you are the fantasy king. Um, and you can check out his uh, manifesto on ESPN.com. It's, uh, it's very enlightening. And Matt is going to read it immediately. Uh, yeah, as soon as I learn how to read, I will be right on it. I promise. <laughs> Matt, do you want to read the next segment, though? Uh, we might as well just go ahead and knock it out, right? <laughs> so this is Serena's socially distant social segment. And since we're talking about drafts, I think it was only right to ask you about your safer at home fantasy draft. So I'm just going to spit some, some uh, category things at you, like instead of position groups or anything, but and just see where you're like, what are you taking? So like first round, we're going to put, this is usually like, you know, this is your big star. So what is the, the one form of entertainment that you would draft movie, show, video game, board game, whatever. Oh, Okay. I see where we're going. Um, uh, my number one form of entertainment. Um, a puzzle, a puzzle uh, well, of Field Yates's face. Yeah, I mean, right. So I think <laughs> I would probably, uh, because you're stuck at home for a long time, you don't know how long it is, which is number one. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's a movie or a TV show or something like that. I think it is. I think it's a, I think it's like a, uh, yeah, it's a board game yeah. or I think it's probably like a video game system, right? Mm -hmm. Something that I, that will give me, you know, you watch a movie, it's over in two hours and then what are you gonna do? Watch it again? Like, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. I think it's, um, I think it's a, uh, it's like a video game system that you can, uh, you know, you obviously can play, you know, multiple games and play, you know, many, many times. So yeah, yeah that would be. Also, just like weird weather stuff. Like, who knows? You lose electricity. Like, I know in New York, uh, like East yeah. Side, like they had um, some bad tropical storm weather, lost electricity. So I'm going with a puzzle of Field Yates's face because, like, you just that's gonna be like that's gonna take up most of quarantine. I think my our sponsor Microsoft is gonna like Matthew's answer better, but. Thank you for the input, Serena. <laughs> okay, so uh, in the second round, we're taking, we're getting connection back, so put your puzzles away. This one is an online group activity. I know, like, House Party's been a thing. I know Quiplash, those kind of games have been a thing. Online group activity. I mean, uh, MySpace is still big with the kids, right? Is that, I think, I have pretend. a... No. Do you have a button uh, for that response, like wah, 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 wah. Uh, uh, online, my online group activity. Honestly, you know what I do? Uh, I have it tonight, uh, and it's been really nice. So I used to live in Los Angeles for a long, long time, and I have a, a group of friends that I've been friends with since college, and we all moved out from Syracuse. We all moved out to Los Angeles, and most of the because we're all in in show business together. I've obviously since uh, transitioned to sports, but. Um, and we used to have a weekly poker game and, uh, obviously that weekly poker game continued on after I left. And when I would come back and visit, I would do it. But because of, uh, of COVID-19 and quarantine, we've been doing it online. We all get on a, um, uh, a WebEx actually. One of the, one of the guys has a WebEx account uh, for his work. So we actually all get on a WebEx account and, uh, and we play an online, we play, uh, like on one of the online poker sites. 
but you know, we're all talking to each other and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's my weekly poker game, but it's all virtual. And so, uh, and I enjoy it tremendously. It's been great because I've been able to reconnect with, you know, all my best friends from college that I haven't had a chance to see in person uh, since I moved to the East coast. So that would be my choice for online activity. Do you have to have a poker face when you're on like a call? Like, do you still just turn the sunglasses? camera off, man. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. No, hundred percent. What's great is, is that despite the fact that we've been playing together for over 20 years, we're all still terrible poker players. And um, so it doesn't even really matter. It, none of us are, you know, and none of us are any good. And the, the, the game has absolutely nothing to do with actual poker and just about busting on each other and laughing a lot. And uh, so it's great. Yeah, I'd be cheating every time. I, they'd be like, how'd you get pocket aces 11 hands in a row? That doesn't make any sense. All right, uh, third round is going to be a meal or a food item that you cook at home. Sandwiches. I put them in the toaster oven. Just, I'm a master of sandwiches, which is not something to brag about at all. Impressive. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit, uh, I mean, it, does it have to be just one item or a meal? Be uh, either i don't know like whatever i you take out like a bunch of stuff for sandwiches so it could be a whole meal right i mean because i like i like i like making myself breakfast like Ooh. eggs bacon and potatoes and like i'm a big breakfast guy and i'm a yeah. big breakfast guy like in the middle of the day kind of so i always like that as well but um i'm a master to frozen pizza as well mm. That's sure. a, i mean it's still activity still have to take yeah. it out of the freezer and you got to tell me account gotta be like it's yeah it takes at least a couple minutes good matt 14 minutes i don't know what frozen pizzas you're using man come on like yeah. it's 14 minutes you, oh, you don't eat them frozen you don't just take it no. out and just <laughs> you gotta you gotta preheat to 450 like mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into it like oh my god you're an amateur do you Never add stuff to the frozen pizza do you or you just whatever no. you get you get yeah whatever i get to get yeah mm. classy good call all right, uh, fourth round, uh, an app on your phone that's a must-have. Not the ESPN Fantasy Football app, because we know that's just stapled into you. Anything other than that. Yeah, how about the Fantasy Life app? How about the, how about the, uh, how about the Fantasy Life app, which uh, has amazing alerts. It's a social community around fantasy football, DFS, and uh, gambling, and the alerts are literally the best in the world. Um, we are faster than anyone else. Uh, if you go to, if we're like five stars on Android, 4.8 plus on iOS and with thousands of reviews and it, you'll see, it all talks about how good our alerts are. So what's up with iOS users? Why are they hating on you? <laughs> I don't know. What do you, I don't know. They're, it seems weird. It seems weird, but yeah, uh, people really like it. So I would say the fantasy life app, which is great. And uh, I'm one of the owners of it, one of the founders of it, which I love. Um, other than that, I mean, the apps that I use the most are our social media, like, so Twitter, Instagram, you know, those are the ones that I use the most. Yeah. I find myself going through TikTok like way more and just like literally like, oh yeah, that's funny. How long? Get those in while you can, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, also Nextdoor app, fascinating conversations that go on there and Citizen app. Wow. I mean, they, uh, Steve-O's taped to a, I just got a, a billboard. Yeah, billboard. Yeah, I, I got that. that today. I was like, what's happening? I screen grabbed it um, because it came up on the Citizen app. Man duct taped to billboard outside a pharmacy on Coenga Boulevard, open for live video. And then I opened it. And of course, it's Steve O for a new show. Um, but yeah, so that's a great app to use, also. <laughs> Fascinating. There you 
Good to know. I, I don't have citizen or next door, but I will. Uh, all right. What's our next round? All right. Uh, fifth round. We're putting our masks on and, and taking a stroll. What are we doing for an outdoor activity? Um, uh, I enjoy. Um, uh, so uh, I live uh, I live near the water here in Connecticut, near the Connecticut shoreline. And so uh, I enjoy the jet ski quite a bit. Ooh, yeah, that's good. If you're going to win that one. You know, and uh, just being on the water, anything on the water. Yeah. Pretty amazing. He was able to get that one in the fifth round. Uh, sixth round, a restaurant that you would order delivery or takeout from? Blue Dog down the block for me. Oh, best burgers and the best franchise and just makes my life a lot better. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that anyone's going to know, though. There's a, there's a restaurant in, uh, again, near the shoreline in Westbrook, Connecticut called Cafe Rudier, which is just awesome. And I get it. It's really good. It's really good. So if you're, if you find yourself, if you're a Rams fan who finds yourself on the Connecticut shoreline, oh, oh Cafe Rudier. It is a hot spot hub for Rams fans, I've heard. Um, all right, f- finishing it up in the seventh round, a music album. Oh. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know, whatever Taylor Swift just released. Um, uh, no, you know what? I mean, like, like, I'm a, so again, like, just I'll play on the water theme. And during these trying times, I like to relax. So I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan. So people know this about me. I've written for as well so um a uh you know a personally i love uh the jimmy buffett live albums um there's one he did a concert at fenway park a few years ago so jimmy buffett live at fenway park that, that's what i would choose it's like two hours specific album you could drop i love that pretty solid draft that's good. good about his week his week at home <laughs> well, no, listen I, he, it's relaxing music to me i enjoy it so um, we're going to wrap up this podcast with a say what Jared Goff uh, was asked QB one was asked about his weight this off season. And he said, I might've put on a couple pounds, maybe some cheeseburgers. And I just thought this is the man of the people talking. And that was just the best quote that I've pulled from the Rams. <laughs> Fair enough. Are you, are you that quote or just you wanted me to react to the quote? You can react to the quote. You can um, tell us that you've had extra burgers. You can say, this is open. <laughs> well, I forget who said it. I forget who said it. This is not my phrase, but somebody's saying like, basically everyone's going to come out of quarantine, either a, uh, a hunk, a chunk, or a drunk. Ah. Um, and uh, I'll just, I, I don't want to go too far into TMI, but I'll just, I'll let you know, uh, Serena, I'm two out of three. Loaf said two out of three ain't bad. I'm, I'm two out of three. I'm not going to tell you which two of the three that I am, but um, I am wearing a baggy shirt. We'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> you thing, Ali, about uh, Jared Goff. I'll give you real quickly something on, um, uh, on, on Jared Goff. Um, Jared Goff had the fourth most passing yards per game last year. He had the second most completions per game. He had the third most pass attempts per game. Pass heavy offense. He's being drafted... Uh, like as QB 20 right now on ESPN because he got so insanely unlucky with his touchdowns last year. A, um, uh, he is being drafted specifically as, I'm sorry, QB 20. He's not, he's not even being drafted in every league. Wow. He's going by the 16th round and ESPN drafts only go 16 rounds. So he's not even being drafted in a lot of leagues. He's being undrafted in a lot of leagues. 
And so Jared Goff is another guy that makes my love list here, right? Because again, so last, last two years, his touchdown rate, in 2017, his touchdown rate was 5.9%. 2018, it was 5.7%. 2019, 3.5%. Just got insanely unlucky. Uh, a friend of mine named Rich Rebar uh, on Twitter pointed this out, that he had the stat that last year, Jared Goff had seven different completions where the, the person who caught the ball was tackled on the one yard line. And that Goff did not throw a touchdown pass in that sequence, meaning they got down to the one and the Rams either scored a touchdown by running the ball or, you know, they kicked a field goal or whatever, but Goff did no not credit. pass right. out of that. Wow. Seven times somebody's tackled the one. And I, I mean, again, so you just think about Goff, um, you know, who was top four in the NFL in passing yards per game, completions per game, pass attempts per game. We know it's a very good offense. We know Sean McVay's a great play caller. And so Jared Goff, who in 2018 was a top 10 fantasy quarterback, is going outside the top 20 and not even being drafted in fantasy leagues. Again, so um, even if he has a few extra pounds, <laughs> what, we're, we're not drafting Jared Goff for his mobility, right? You know, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's a different quarterback. So uh, I do think Jared Goff is actually a real nice value at the quarterback position this year in fantasy football. So that's my reaction to that quote. He also had a great block last year, um, which was very notable. So I appreciate Jared. It maybe yeah, a I'm, I'm glad you brought that stat up because I was going to bring it up when we were talking about the running backs and even throw Malcolm Brown into the mix because I think he finished off a couple of those one-yard, two-yard touchdowns too. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, um, yeah. This is off the top of my head, so I don't um, – but something to the effect – oh, so Malcolm Brown had, like, I think 15 red zone touches last year and scored five touchdowns. Like, one out of every three touches he got in the red zone, he didn't get a lot, was a score, to, to your point, Matt. So, you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Jared Goff is due for some a significant positive regression Uh uh, uh, in terms of uh, touchdown passes this year as a fantasy asset. I think, Matthew, you give Samuel Jackson a run for his money with that. Um, that's a wrap. Another episode of Ramblin' is in the books. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as we'll be bringing you more episodes throughout training camp and Rams fans. Uh, I'm not the only one talking about Rams all the time. In addition to Ramblin', you've got Rams Revealed with J.B. Long, the newest podcast to join the crew. Also is Rams Iconic with former Ram DeMarco Farr. Matthew Bear, you got anything else to add to this? Give a shout out to anything? By the way, I was right. Samuel L. Jackson was in the original Jurassic Park. He was in True Romance. Uh, he was in, uh, let's see, he was in Time to Kill. Remember the, uh, the you know, the based on the, uh, oh, who's the famous uh, writer, the novel? Uh, John Grisham. You know, Time to Kill is based on the John Grisham uh, novel there. He was in Jackie Brown, of course. You know, he does a lot of Tarantino stuff, right? Right. Uh, so, like, I'm just, you know, I mean, I don't think people appreciate Shaft. Right? He was in the remake. Oh, duh. Yeah. Played John Shaft. Like, come on now. I mean, like, he was in Triple X. He was in SWAT. Samuel Jackson is like, he's in everything. <laughs>